And so if you're going to take notes, this is the time to take notes. And so this is Jesse Wilson, a dear friend of mine, a core leader of ours at the net, and uh, I call him Beard Khalees. It's actually the first time <laughs> I ever call you Beard Khalees in, in my yeah, life. But like anyways, it. welcome, like Jesse. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm pretty excited. I'm not going to lie. This is, uh, I'm going to put the cane down for a while. I might freak out. It's okay. I'm, I'm allowed to walk. I'm not breaking rules. Um, no, I'm really excited. You know, uh, can I just start off by just saying thank you so much for being here? I'm already crying. Woo! It's a bit of a weekend for me. Um, I'll get there. I'll get there. Uh, you know, there's a group of people, leadership, you know, that have poured into this ministry, and it started with, you know, just Adam and Kirsten three or four years ago, just following the Lord. And But let me tell you something, guys. We, uh, we would not be able to do what we do here without you guys. And your guys' heart and your willingness to be here, whew, it is um, it's humbling. That's going to be tough. <laughs> it's humbling. Because, I, I mean... I'm just being honest. Like, I'm nobody. I'm not anything special, you know? I just love Jesus a whole bunch. And it just makes me super happy to be around people who love Jesus. And so I just thank you so much for being here. Okay, let's try and get on to something I won't cry about. (laughs) Uh, Just so we're clear, I cry a whole bunch. And and people ask me, I've had several people, whether it's this weekend or throughout throughout the, the net or whatever, they ask me why I cry. And I I've asked the Lord that a question a lot. Why do I, you know, and I'm an emotional person, and that's, that's cool. I, I, I get that. But I, I started to press in with the Lord, and I was with my small group the first night, and we were talking, and this, this one guy brought up this, this awesome question just because he had a reservation. He was like, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I'm adequate just because this, this job that God wants to give me is so big. It's so huge, and he's totally right. It's like massive. There's no way me or him, but we could do what we do. And that to me is the reason I get so emotional is like I, I try and remind myself as much as possible just how inadequate and small I am and just how big and amazing and powerful my God is and how much he loves me. And so my emotion is purely out of that. Like I just love, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. That's why I cry. It just doesn't make any sense to me how much God could love me. And so that's just know that when we're going through this, I'm not crying because I'm sad or I'm upset. It's simply just because, like, when it really hits me that, like, the God who created everything and in everything is held and everything is, is, is put together and he decided for me to be the masterpiece of that work, for you to be the masterpiece of that work, that's where my emotion comes from. So just know that as we go forward, there's probably going to be some more crying. Uh, we'll figure it out. But so we started this retreat and Adam came to me and he said, you know, I want you to talk about the Sabbath. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. The Sabbath, you know, seventh day rest. Cool. You get to relax. That's an easy one to talk about. Well, I had not done a whole bunch of like in-depth study on the Sabbath. And so what I didn't realize is that Adam was like handing me this really huge message like, yeah, good luck, you know, this kind of thing. But it's been really awesome, this road that I've been on. But what the reason I say that is because we got to lay some groundwork first. I need you guys to understand just the, 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 the foundation of the Sabbath and what it is and why it is. And so just kind of like the way Jess walked through her message of, I'm going to give you the no, and then we're going to move to the believe. I'm going to do the same thing. We're, so just walk with me here a little bit. That's funny because I don't walk very well right now. But 
but walk with me a little bit, and we're going to establish just what the Sabbath is and why it is. So just from a base standpoint in Genesis, and you don't, you don't have to turn to this. It's not one of our core uh, uh, you know, scriptures or anything, but in Genesis, the beginning of, of time, you know, God is creating the earth, and on the seventh day, after everything has been created, he rested. And, and so moving forward, you know, we start looking back and reflecting on God's character and what he does and why he does it. And, and here's the thing, like, God didn't rest because he was tired. He didn't rest because, like, oh, gosh, creating the universe is just so hard. Like, no, he's God. Like, God doesn't need to rest. It's not like he was chilling in a hammock, like, you know, wiping sweat off his forehead. Like, no, he's God. He, he did it as an example. And, and, and let me just, just kind of combat something, because there are a lot of people who get confused about the difference between rest and laziness. And those are two very different things. Like, just being honest, and I'm guilty of the exact same thing, but vegging out on a Sunday watching 15 episodes of, you know, Friends or The Blacklist or whatever. Like, although, don't get me wrong, like, I love those TV shows, and they're good, and it's good, that is not rest. That is laziness. See, people want to say, oh, well, when God rested, he wasn't doing anything. That's not true. The word tells us that in him and through him, all things are held together. So if in him and through him, all things are held together, if he genuinely rested and stopped doing everything, everything would cease to exist. We would stop. Everything would just be gone because through him and in him, everything is held together. So Rest is not an idle nature. It's not something where you do nothing. So, so I, I want to kind of demonstrate this, and I don't really have a good example just simply because I'm not really in the best physical state. But here, here's a good idea of the difference between rest and laziness. So I'm holding this cane, right? And I'm holding this cane up, and I'm lifting it, and I'm using my muscles and whatever, right? So if I set this cane down, I am now resting from holding that cane. I'm still walking. My heart is still beating. I'm still doing things, but I am resting from the challenge and the burden, is the word we're going to use moving forward, of carrying that cane. So understand that you can be resting from a lot of things in your life and still be moving and still be doing and still be going. If we were to truly rest and do nothing, then every single Sunday morning there would be a whole bunch of Christians who are sinning all over America because we're getting up and going to church. That's not how it works. So understand the difference between rest and laziness and that rest, although sometimes it can be a component of God just wants you to take a minute, sit on the couch, catch your breath and relax. It is still not idle. There are still things that you can be doing. All right. So we've got the Sabbath, right? And we've got this establishment that God did it. Not only did God do it, but then later in Exodus, God calls us as a commandment given down to Moses to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Okay, so now there's not just this expectation and this reality that God did it so we should do it, but more of God did it so we should do it. But just to nail it home, he gave us this set of commandments, and in those commandments it is said, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. All right, so it's pretty clear now that we know the Sabbath is something that we need to think about and we need to observe but the Sabbath is, is, is kind of, um, the Sabbath is tough in America for us. Like, we like to stay busy. We've talked about that. You know, Adam's hit on it a little bit. Jess hit on it a little bit. We like to go. We like to do. We like to be in the right spot or, or with the right people or doing the cool things. And so resting and the idea of slowing down is tough. And, and so what I want you to understand, like, this 
what I'm going to teach you and what God and what Jesus is calling us to is completely countercultural to what everything else. When we, like, when we walk out of this, I love that Neely said it's not done. When we walk out of this, the stuff that, that we have been taught, what Adam and, and Jess have walked us through so far, like we get a choice to carry that with us or not. And I can tell you that the, the, the meat of this message that I'm giving is, is going to be really, really hard because it is, is completely countercultural to everything that they tell us out there. Be on Instagram constantly. Be on Facebook. Throw up a new photo. Be doing something. Make sure you take a photo in the cool place. Because if you didn't take a photo and put it on Instagram, that didn't really happen. You know, like, you know, I'm just, yeah, I'm just being honest. Like, that's, like, if it's not on there, then how would people know, you know? So just understand that going forward, because this is challenging. All right, so our main scripture that I want to sit in today is in Matthew and it is Matthew 12. And that's, I, I'm not good with the books of the Bible. Actually, Matthew is my reference point, so I do Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. So I'm also not very good at the whole books of the Bible. So you're on your own on this one. Uh, but um, so, so in Matthew 12, Jesus is, is in this situation, right? And, and Jesus was very countercultural, a lot like the message that I'm teaching today. Jesus just did not go with the flow of what society, what, what Pharisees and Sadducees were saying. This is how you do it. This is why you do it. And this is when you do it. So, so Jesus is in this situation. And, and, and in this chapter, I'm just going to read for a second and just set the, set the tone so we know what's going on. But this is the beginning of chapter 12. And I'm just going to start reading out of the top. So... At the time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began picking some heads of grain and ate them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when him and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate and the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for them to do, but only for priests. Haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple desecrate the day and yet are innocent? Yet I tell you, the one greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, and in quotations says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Okay, we're going to stop right there. So, so Jesus is hanging out, and he's, and he's going around, right? And it's the Sabbath, and, and they're walking through some grain fields, and some of his disciples pick up some of the grains because they're hungry. They've been working. They've been, they've been doing ministry, and so they're tired, and they want food. So they grab some grains, and they're eating it as they pass through. And so the Sadducees and the Pharisees are trying to trip up Jesus. That's their whole goal is just catch this guy in a way that we can denounce him and make him look low in the eyes of the people. And so he says, no, you don't get it. See, what happened was David was in a pinch and he was running from Saul. And to survive, he went into the temple of this, this certain area and he ate bread. Him and his men ate bread that was only for sacred moments with the priests. And so, so what Jesus is establishing is he's saying, no, this isn't actually breaking the rule of the Sabbath because... Because we know we've seen examples of that in the past. And, and the thing is, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are smart. They're, they've been walking through all this stuff, and they're challenging him in a way to try and get him to trip up. And I think, honestly, if, if Jesus really wanted to lay the law, he would have brought up the same challenge that I did earlier of, like, well, God rested, but he didn't stop working. 
You know, he, what he's trying to do is he's trying to tell them, look, you don't understand the Sabbath. You don't get it. If you did understand the Sabbath, you would not be condemning those who are innocent. My, men, my guys here who are hungry are not breaking the Sabbath by eating. You just don't get the Sabbath. But what he says, he puts in quotations and he quotes a, a scripture from Hosea. He says, if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the innocent. So, so let's jump over to Hosea because Hosea is, this is really, really cool. Like I, anytime Jesus, I want you to know, anytime Jesus quotes scripture, like for me, that's a big deal because like he's Jesus, he's the guy who, <laughs> he is the word. And so if he's quoting it, we should go back and check this out. So he quotes Hosea 6 and and this is a short chapter, and, and, and what's going on in this chapter is there, Israel is in a situation where they have turned from God. They have run from God, and they've decided to just kind of do whatever they want to do, right? And, and, and they're, they're starting to recognize that because they've walked away from the Lord and they're not in the grace of the Lord, that they're not, they're not receiving what God has for them. And so this is what they say, and this is, this is Israel saying, this is the, the top of chapter 6. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us that we may live in the presence or in his presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that, that water the earth. What can I do with you? This is the Lord speaking now. So what can I do with you, Ephraim? What can I do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist. That's really bold saying your, morning, your love is like really short and it go, comes and goes really fast. <laughs> like the early dew that disappears. Therefore, I cut you in pieces with my prophets. I kill you with the words of my mouth. My judgments flash like lightning upon you. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, an acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Okay, we're going to pause. See, this is another group, just like the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the Israelites, are they're, they're confusing what God wants. They're thinking if we just come back, if we just do enough burnt offerings, if we just throw ourselves at his feet and, and beg, we are going to earn our way back. You know, if we go through this pain, you know, he sent prophets, like, you know, Adam talked about Elijah, you know, this guy who came and he just like laid the hammer down on the king, like, hey, you're not doing so great. This is not good. He, that's what God's been doing. He's been sending prophets to try and keep Israel in check and they just keep wandering. But now here we have this voice from Israel saying, you know, if, if we just do enough good, if we just right our wrongs, if we just come back and he's saying, no, you don't understand. That's not what I want. I want to be merciful. I want to be graceful. I don't want your offerings. That's not what I'm looking for. Okay. So here is where the Sabbath changes. Okay. So we've got this, the bedrock. Do, I, do we feel like we understand like the general nature of the Sabbath? The seventh day, I'm not going to argue whether it's the seventh or the eighth. That's, you know, whatever. But, but the idea that like God rested, so we should, but he actually made it a commandment. Therefore, we should observe that. And the commandment is not just to observe the Sabbath, but it's to keep it holy, right? So we feel like we're comfortable with that? Good, good. Okay, cool. Here is where things change because the Old Testament pre-Jesus, you know, if you sinned, if you made a mistake, you had to weigh a burnt offering of, you know, the, the 
you know, perfect lamb or, or whatever to, to atone for your sins. You had to right your wrong by an act, by a service, by a, by a check mark of saying, I've gone to the Lord and I've given my sin up and now I repent and here is my offering to you, Lord. This is where things change. So let's jump back over to Matthew, okay? We've got this idea that, you know, we've seen Israel crying out, I gotta do this if we just come back, if I just do the right thing. And he tells them, I don't want offerings, I want to be merciful. In Matthew, Jesus tells them, if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Jesus is looking at the Sabbath and he's looking at these Pharisees and these Sadducees and he's telling them, you don't get it. My Father in heaven does not want a list of, of things that you check off to be happy. Okay, see, who Jesus is talking to is a big deal. He's talking to Jews of the day and at the time, there were roughly 600 to 700 daily laws and rules that they had to follow. I don't, I don't know about you guys, but like, I'll walk out of the house and forget my cell phone. Like, I, I'm not like, I'm, I'm not kidding. 600 to 700 laws and rules that had been handed down through the, the leadership, the religious leaders of the day to say, this is what you do to be a good Christian. This is how you get God's love. This is how you attain it. And what Jesus is saying, just like Israel before, He's saying it now. You don't get it. My father doesn't want you to earn it. You can't earn it. You're not going to earn it. There's no way you can earn it. I am coming to change the outlook of how love is administered to you. So up until this point, they have had to atone for their sins with the blood of sacrifices. And so we know that beautifully and wonderfully, Jesus goes to the cross and he becomes the sacrifice for all of us. And that's a strange thing to think about, like one death covers it all, but he took on himself all of our sin. And now, now what we get to do is we get to walk in this understanding. So let's continue reading. Let's continue reading uh, on the, uh, at 12. Um, so if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would have, condemn you would have not condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Okay, what Jesus just did is incredibly threatening to, the, to everything that they know. He just said, not only am I going to take the thing that God did as an example for you and then made a commandment for you to follow, but he said, I am the Lord of it. I am the one who controls it. I am the one who is responsible for it. And I do not want your sacrifice. I do not want your attempts to try and earn my love. I want to be merciful. I just want to give it to you. Jesus is looking at the Pharisees and, 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 and he's telling them, he's, and not just them, he's looking at all these people and he's just saying, look, I, you, don't, you don't have to earn it. That's what this is, this rest that I'm offering, this Sabbath rest, this opportunity the Lord has given you and has been giving you for for years and years and years, he is saying, you don't have to earn it. You don't have to check off enough, enough boxes so that when Sunday comes, you can, let, you can rest in my love. No, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, every single day of the week, you can rest in the fact that I have paid for what you were supposed to pay for, and you're free of that debt. And for me, it's just like, holy smokes. But they still don't get it. They don't get it. They, don't, they have no idea. So Jesus continues, right? Jesus continues. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled up hand was there. Looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? 
Jesus said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, would you not take hold of it and lift it out? Have you, how much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Hold on to that. It is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched, out, stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted that they might kill Jesus. Okay, so Jesus is saying, we're changing this. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. We're going to change this. And it's now okay to do good on the Sabbath. <laughs> Sorry, this is... I get really excited about this. this. Like, trust me, when we get there, I know we're moving slow, but when we get there, this is going to rock you in the face so hard. It's just, oh gosh, this is amazing. It's so amazing. It really is. Okay, so, so Jesus has established he's the Lord of the Sabbath, right? And, and we now know it's good. It's okay to do good on the Sabbath. What Jesus is saying is that in order to keep the Sabbath, you have to surrender to the Lord of the Sabbath. That's the Sabbath. It's not this idea that you get to rest and you get to lay on the couch and do nothing because for some reason God wants you to be idle and lazy and do nothing. God has us on this earth and he introduces our love to us on this earth so that we can help build our kingdom. Why on earth would he give us a day to not do that? That is not, that is not in the character of the Lord. The Lord is continually building his kingdom. He's continually reaching his children. He's continually pursuing and loving and chasing down those who are lost. He would not give us a day to say, nah, we're not going to do that. No, what he's saying is, in the time of the Sabbath, what I want you to do is I want you to stop. I want you to pause. I want you to recognize that my son Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. He has taken away your necessity to earn it. So pause in that moment, love him, and ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Surrendering to the Lord of the Sabbath is keeping the Sabbath holy. That's what the commandment says. It doesn't say just remember the Sabbath. It doesn't say hang out. Remember that God rested on the seventh day. It says remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. So to keep the Sabbath holy, you have to be reverent and in surrender to the one who is the Lord of the Sabbath. And Jesus said this, and this is interesting because this is in, in my study, and, and I'm going to pull a card like Jess, because this is my study, so it might not actually be accurate, but I'm pretty sure it's accurate, but double check it just in case. But from my study, this is the first time that there is a reference that the Sadducees and Pharisees are going to kill Jesus. It's the first time. And like I said, double check that, but I'm pretty sure I was thorough. And here's the thing. This is what, they're, this is what Jesus just did. He said, all the laws and the rules that you have passed down to God's people— they don't need to follow those anymore. It's not that they don't have to be good people. Don't get me wrong. God wants us to be good. But you don't have to live under this burden and carry this weight like this freaking cane. You don't have to walk around with this burden of the law in a way that you carry it so heavily that you never measure up, that you're never good enough, that you can't earn it. Because the truth is God's unwavering, unrelenting love is something you will never be able to earn. So let me send my son to die for you, to pay your price. And then you can take that cane, you can put it down, and you can just stop. And you can be reverent to the Lord of the Sabbath and say, God, what do you want me to do? I'm free. Listen to me, guys. You don't have to earn it. Okay. I, okay. Uh, how do, I'm going to try and put this in order. 
I don't have anything for you, like me, Jesse. Like I'm a six foot, six foot one, <laughs> depends on what shoes I'm wearing. Six foot pound, you know, three, a 235 pound guy. I, but that's all I got. That's all I got. I don't have anything that you can walk out of here and use and work. I got, I got half a good knee. Like I don't have anything for you. And you can take that to the bank, but I can sure as hell measure that if I have nothing for you, I've got absolutely nothing for the Lord. I've got nothing for him. I've got nothing for him. I I can't give him anything that's going to put me remotely in the ballpark of what he has for me. And yet he decided, you know what? I don't care. I want him. I want you. And to make that path as easy as possible, what he decided to do is send his son on this earth and say, this is the Lord of the Sabbath, and I'm going to take away the law that's been passed down. The, the law, everyone looks at the commandments and they're like, oh, the burden, the law. Uh, they're really easy. Don't kill someone. Cool. Don't steal. Fine. There's 10 of them. There's 10. Like, come on, there's 10 rules. Like, and they're not even rules. They're gifts. It's not a rule. It's a gift. Like, you ever, have you ever done something like that, like stolen or whatever, and then you feel super convicted, you know, like, oh, gosh, I shouldn't have done that or whatever. Like, I think, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pull up bad stories, but like your story of your dude the other day, you know, like when he was up against Spence, like, you know, you saw the remorse on Adam's face of how, even now, of how he felt about leaving his friend. Those rules are not put in place to be a burden to us. They're to rid us of that feeling. They're to let us walk through life in a way that we feel good about ourselves, that we feel grace, that we feel love. They're not a burden. But for some reason, when men got a hold of them and we suck, just being honest, man sucks, we do, we started to say, okay, how can we put this in a position to where I can control it and I can earn it? And you can't. Like, I don't care. You Split it into however many rules, direction, ways you want to. I guarantee you there will not come one single week where you hit that seventh day and you feel like I've earned my rest today. You won't. You absolutely will not. So, (laughs) sorry. I can't even feel my knee right now. It's amazing. Like I'm just letting you guys know. It's It's amazing right now. So we don't have to earn it. We don't have to earn it. And I can't, I, I just feel like I want to scream that at you guys because it's just, when we walk out of here, Neely's right. God's not done. But remember, when you walk out of here, you don't have to earn it. It's done. It's taken. It's handled. There's one other area that I just want to jump to in Scripture, and it's Hebrews 3, or excuse me, 4. Hebrews 4, and this is a, this is a really poignant passage about the Sabbath rest. And there's something really interesting about the, the root of the word Sabbath in the New Testament. It's a little bit different than the Old Testament. Um, so the word in the New Testament is sabbatismos. And sabbatismos has this connotation of celebration on it, which is very interesting because like you think about the legalistic version of the Sabbath of like, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. You don't lift your cow out of the ground if it falls in a hole or, you know, like you don't do that stuff. That's not what this is. There's this celebration factor involved. And so I'm just going to read this first section. So it's, it's uh, Hebrews 4, and we're going to read through um, verse 5. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. 
For, all, for we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Now, now we have believed, we who have believed entered that rest just as God said. So I declared on an oath in my anger that they will not enter my rest. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of time. Okay, there's a lot in that. So in the beginning, you know, he says, he says, therefore, since the promise of entering the rest still stands, thank you, Jesus. Like it's still there. Like we still get it. It's, it's not like we missed the boat. But what I want you to understand is that you can miss it. You can walk through life never resting in what the Lord has for you. That's perfectly possible. And so what I want you to get is that there, this is not something, it's not like, like when you get hit with the love of God, it's not really something you can miss. Like you get smacked with that and it's just like, holy smokes, my whole life changes when you experience the love of God. This is a little different. It says, since the promise of entering this rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to fallen short of it. You can miss it. And it's up to all of us to make sure that we are walking in the rest from the burden of the law. The way, I, the way I would describe it is this difference between law and love. You know, you remember I was holding the cane and I'm holding this and right now it's a burden. And right now this cane's not super heavy, but if I held this cane out for about six hours, my arm would be like shaking, you know, because my arm is not supposed to stay out like this. It's a burden to hold this, right? And so what he is saying is you can choose to put it down and rest. But understand, as you go, you're going to want to pick this back up. You're going to want to act like you have to earn it. There are going to be days where you wake up and you feel like a failure and you're going to sin and you feel miserable. And it's like, holy crap, now that I've dug myself in this massive hole, how do I get myself out? No, Jesus has already gotten you out. You're out of the hole. There is no hole. You can't dig yourself in a hole because he's already gotten you out. What you have to remind yourself of is that therefore... Since the promise of entering his rest still stands. It doesn't say still stands till today or still stands until you're perfect. It says, therefore, since the promise of his rest still stands. End of discussion. Every day that you wake up, you can enter a rest that allows you to take the law, put it aside and say, I don't need that because Jesus has taken it from me. I get to walk freely. But here is where things get really, really interesting. This is where things get really amazing. If you jump down to verse 14, <laughs> this is so cool. This is Hebrews 3, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Here's the deal. We understand that we have this ability, you know, to walk in this rest. But what we have on our side is the great high priest who has gone through the heavens. He's gone to hell. He's been to heaven and he's back. And we get to hold on to that and profess that because Jesus rose from the grave on the third day, I don't have to worry about the law. I don't have to walk in the stress and the burden of constantly bearing all of this weight of how am I going to get rid of the fact that I'm a liar? How am I going to get rid of the fact that I watch porn every month? How am I going to get rid of the fact that I think about my coworker in a bad way or that I, I, you know, when my coworker's not there, I talk about them behind their back or 
all this stuff. How am I going to get rid of all of that? And I'm telling you, every day you're going to wake up with that. You're going to wake up with some kind of challenge on the side of sin. But what you get to do is you get to tell that sin, yes, you're real, you're there, but I have a high priest on my side who has gone ahead on my behalf, who has taken the, the, the sting of the grave away with him in heaven and he holds my future life and I don't have to worry about achieving it and attaining it because he's already got it. All I have to do is trust in him and rest in him. So we get this freedom. You understand that like there's this massive amount of freedom that I don't have to earn it. I, I don't, I, I, maybe you guys are getting it. Maybe I'm just really just juiced up up here. But like, like I, you don't, I don't have to earn it. There's nothing I have to do. And I can tell you like my whole life, I've been earning it. I was, I was an athlete, and, and, I was a re- and this is not me boasting. I'm not a boastful person. I'm not prideful. I, don't, I, don't, I hate arrogance. But I was a really good baseball player. And my senior year of college, on two separate occasions, I had a Dodger scout come to my game and say, finish the season, get a little stronger, and I'll bring you paperwork. And like for me, that was all it was. That was my whole life. I was ready to go. And my whole life, since I was six, I had been practicing and preparing And the thing is, what that system taught me is that I am only as good as I can achieve. I am only as good as my batting average or my ability to drive runners in and runs in scoring position. (laughs) And so now I get to the end of the year and it's great, but I dislocate my knee. And I'm a catcher. So I'm done. Like it's out. It's over. And everything that my entire life had revolved around was done because there wasn't going to be a contract. There there wasn't going to be baseball after school. None of that. And so now I got this, to be honest, this bum degree in broadcast journalism. No offense if anyone's broadcast journalism degree. That's not what I'm saying. But like for me, it was a bum degree because I just did it because it was easy. I just wanted to play ball. And so now I've got this situation where it's like, cool, I got this degree. I've got a bad knee and I don't get to play baseball. But now how do I earn it? How do I achieve it? And so every single day I woke up and in the main area of my life where I was a success, I was a failure every single day. Every single day I was a failure. And that drove me to alcohol. That drove me to the bar. It drove me to drugs. It drove me to women. It drove me to everything that I could try and scoop up from the world that said, this is good. This is fun. This is success, whatever that is. And my life has been a string of just trying to achieve what I didn't quote unquote get to achieve. But Adam said something to me two weeks ago and it was, oh gosh, it was amazing. He looked at me, he goes, Jesse, what if the best thing in your life was that you lost baseball? Like what if the best thing in your life was that you lost baseball? Because now you don't have a crutch to lean on to say, look how good I am. Look at how much I can earn it. Look, God, I am so good. No wonder you love me. No, I had to lay in bed at night and say, God, look at how awful I am. How is it possible that you could love me? And yet it does not matter. It does not matter if I wake up and I fail. It does not matter if I wake up and I succeed. The same love and the same rest that I get to put that crap down and say, it does not matter what I do because I have put my faith in Jesus and yes, I'm going to fall. I have put my faith in Jesus and yes, I'm going to succeed. But no matter what, if I do this or I do that, if I put my faith in Jesus, it does not matter because he's got me. He's got me. And I get to rest in that. Whew. It's just, there's nothing that you can do to push yourself away from it. There's nothing you can do to achieve it. 
it is here and it is offered to you in a way that is so incredibly peaceful and humble. <laughs> Adam spoke a little bit about it in, in Matthew 11. And it's so, so beautiful. This is just the most gentle thing in the world. Because, you know, Jesus, if he wanted to, he could put a lot of regulation. Here, you got to do this. Hey, if you do that. But it's so, so beautiful. And this is Matthew 11. Wow. Matthew 11, verse 28. And it's so gentle. It is so gentle. Like, when you go home... Put this on your wall. Put it on your screensaver. I don't care. But when you are in a position where you feel like you have to earn it or you're not good enough, read this and read it as if your grandmother was reading it to you because that's how gentle this is supposed to be. It's loving, it's gentle, and it's honest. Come to me, all of you who are weary and, and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I don't know about you guys, but my soul needs some rest. I've given my body rest, I've given my mind rest, but man, my soul needs rest. Because you can rest your body, you can rest your mind, but if you are constantly battling in your soul, I am not good enough, I can't earn it, I gotta keep going, I am telling you, you're gonna run yourself ragged and it's gonna end one of two ways. You're gonna be so bitter and angry at the Lord that you're gonna leave him because you can't ever measure up. Or you're gonna live a life of resentment towards the Lord and never truly understand the full capacity of the love that he has for you. You have to find rest for your soul. Oh. Oh, gosh. Whew. All right, how are we doing? How are you guys doing? I'm, I'm a mess up here. Oh, gosh. All right, so we know. What do we know? Nothing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so we know the Sabbath is important. We know that God did it, therefore we should do it. But he just made sure, just in case, to nail it home. This is a commandment for you. But it's not a rule. It's not a burden. Set the law aside. Pick up the love. That's what it is. It's law over love. If you, if you want to try and walk through life measuring up to the law, I guarantee you will fail. It is law over love. And that's what Jesus is telling these Pharisees. But here's the deal. We are a lot like these Pharisees. We are a lot like these Pharisees. You know, I told you the interesting fact. This is the first moment, I believe, that they said they want to kill him. You understand that in this moment, Jesus in that story in Matthew 12, where he heals the man, the, his disciples eat. There are three offenses in that that they would have stoned anyone else for. Not only did he condone his disciples the opportunity to eat and do that and, and quote unquote work on the Sabbath, but then after they challenge him on it, he goes up to a man who's injured and he heals him. That's breaking the Sabbath. But then he invites that man to break the Sabbath with him. 
He says, pick up your mat and go. And that's how ridiculous, listen to how ridiculous this, this law is. By picking that man's mat up, he's breaking the law. He just got healed. Like his hand works again. And if he picks up his mat to go home, that's an offense that they were willing to stone people over. Do you hear how ridiculously burdening that is? Here's the thing that, <laughs> here's the thing that's amazing to me. And my mother told me this, so I can't take credit for this. My mother's way smarter than I am. But we've got these burdens, right? And it's overbearing. It's so overbearing. But God is telling us, rest, 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 rest. This is what it is. So we've got men twisting it, but here's the difference. And write this down because this is important. You need to understand that the absolute opposite of rest is burden. If you are picking something up and it feels like a burden, then I guarantee you, you are not resting in it. I guarantee you, you are not resting in it. The absolute opposite of rest is burden. So if you are walking in something and you feel like it's resting in the Lord, then you should feel freedom. You should feel relief. You should feel at ease about the situation. But if you're picking it up and it feels heavy or it feels like something you have to achieve or something you got to do and it's going to be hard, that is not rest. That is a burden. And that is the law. And Jesus told us, I do not want you to follow the law. I want you to get rid of that and rest in the fact that I have earned your way through the law. I have checked off your boxes on the cross. I've done that. It's over. Rest in that. So, and this is, this is me wrapping up. So if the band wants to come up, you're more than welcome. It feels like I've been up here for five days. <laughs> Just being honest. Um, so to wrap all this up, look, we've got some really, really good stuff. And holy smokes, Adam and Jess, the first three sessions, I don't know about you guys, Jess put me basically in a spiritual coffin, like I just felt so convicted. And then, and then you know, it's funny, it's like Jess got done teaching, and I was like, whew, <laughs> glad I don't have to follow that one up. Good luck, Adam. And then he comes in with these jars, like, yeah, put all your crap in this, and come over and smash it. And, and I'm over here bawling in the corner, like, great. Now I got to, <laughs> luckily we got to sleep, so hopefully we forgot some of it now. But, <laughs> but. So we started off the weekend, right? And, and we started off with rest. And the R is restoration. And Adam did so well walking through that idea with Elijah in the cave of like, do not stay in your cave. Where is here for you? And where is God silently whispering to you to go? That's amazing. But then we went into enough. And Jess so brilliantly taught us just like, look, there is nothing that you can do to earn being enough you already are. So quit carrying all of these labels, which I realize I'm wearing one on my chest. It's because it's comfy. Uh-uh. You know, don't judge me. But like, but like, you don't have to measure up to what society says makes you enough. God has already established that. And that was amazing. And Adam came back last night with the S and salvation. And he asked you, what is, where do you find your salvation in? What do you find it in? Is it in Jesus or is it in your ability to earn it? Is it in your is it in how many Instagram posts you like, people like or, or whatever? He challenged that. And that's amazing. But let me tell you something. This la- the last, the T is time. And it's the Sabbath. And this is the last thing I want you to sit in. I 100% believe that the Sabbath should be observed at least one day a week. 
like that day, that seventh day, just the way God did. Look, if God sets an example, that is the best example. And I think that you should be programming a day in your week that is a day set aside, not to do nothing, but to say, Lord, this is your day entirely. I do not have work. I do not have plans. I do not have a schedule. What do you want from me? But this is what I want you to understand. You can enter the Sabbath rest every single second of every single day. It is not something that you have to carry and burden and walk through six of the seven, and on the seventh, you get to rest. No, you get to carry the idea and the love and the grace. And that's what this is. Jesus saying, come to me, enter the rest. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. He is, it's, oh God, he just loves us so much. It's one more step of love. It's one more invitation of love. It's grace. That's what he's saying. You don't have to do anything. Just come hang out with me. Just come enjoy me. Just come rest in me. And I will bring you through that because I've already paid your debt. I've already paid your check. So if you want to wake up every single morning and remind yourself, today I don't have to earn it. Today I don't have to achieve it. He already did it on a cross for me. Like Adam so brilliantly reminded us last night with the nails, it is Jesus. It's only going to be Jesus. And there's nothing else that you can do to get closer to him. So every single day, if you want to, you can tell the Lord, today is your day. And I love you, and I'm not going to try and measure up. I'm not going to put myself on a scale. I'm not going to try and be something I'm not, because I'm not good enough. I'm not going to be good enough. I'm never going to measure up. I'm never going to earn it. But I don't care, because you've told me that I am restored. You have told me that I'm enough. You have told me that I have salvation. And I'm telling you right now, you have the time every single day to pause and ask the Lord, today is your day. What do you want me to do? And I'm telling you, it's not, don't freak out. It's not going to be this huge thing. He's not going to say, quit your job, end your life, go, go over here and do this thing. It's not going to be that way. He's going to tell you, I want you, like they taught us earlier, quietly and reservedly live your life as a Christian and love me. Love me. That's what he wants, this whole thing. It breaks my heart that people grab this book and they open it and they walk away feeling inadequate and a burden because this this whole thing screams one thing and it's that I love you and I want you to love me that's all it is that's all it is he wants you to love him so take the time every single day to pause and say I love you and I'm not going to be perfect and I get that but that's okay that's okay (laughs) because you brilliantly walked into my life you restored me you taught me I was enough you gave me my salvation and now every single day it is a joy to wake up hit the floor and give my time to you and say I love you what do you want me to do I love you I will get in my word I love you I will pray I love you I will walk through my work looking for people who I know need what I now have that's what it is. It's not this huge thing of be in prayer on your hands and knees for 24-7. No. It is a lifestyle. It is a culture. It is an every single moment thing. And there, it's going to take time. You're going to have to remind yourself every single day. Every single day, you're going to have to remind yourself that you don't have to measure up. And that's going to be really hard for a while. For a while. And then one day, you're going to wake up. And you're going to hit the floor and you're just going to be like, 
You're going to be this big. But it doesn't matter because the God who created everything has decided that you and me, that we matter more than anything else in the world. And so he came here and he died on the cross. Let's pray. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we just, Lord, we just don't, we just don't deserve anything. Just being honest, we just don't deserve anything. That said, because you said it, we deserve everything. And Lord, that just cannot make sense. But I choose to accept it. And Lord, I pray that the hearts in this room, I pray that they choose to accept it, Lord, because the grace and the love and the rest that you get to walk in every single day knowing that I do not have to measure up, I do not have to earn it, I simply have to choose to love you and observe you and surrender to you. That I get it, I receive it. Lord, their lives will change. Lord, their, their lives will change forever. And Lord, as we walk out of this room, as this being the last session, Lord, as we walk out of this room, I pray that we're reminded that it doesn't stay here it's not stuck in this building. It is in us. You are in us. You are alive and you are active and you are coursing the blood through our veins. Because in you and through you, all things are held together. And that means every single heartbeat in my body, every breath I take, all of it is because of you. Lord, we love you. And it's in your name that we pray.
think uh, the fa- my, my favorite thing that Jesse said was we can experience the Sabbath every single day. I think that's just such a new thought for so many of us. And can we just thank Jesse for speaking today? Had a knee surgery like a week ago. And I tried to convince him. I'm like, hey, dude, you're not going to speak. He's like, yeah, I'm going to go to speak. All right, you can speak. So thank you, Jesse, for that, man. I appreciate it. If you guys didn't catch on, um, rest, we were using rest as an acronym for each talk. So the R was restore, E, E, enough, salvation, and then time today. So um, thank you guys so much for being here. You guys are so awesome. I hope this weekend was a, a blessing for you. Uh, can we thank Neely and Bree as well? Take time out. Production guys in the back. Uh, the Gregory's, if they're here. Uh, Sarah and Corinne, you guys are amazing. Sarah and Corinne, they made sure y'all had your vegan snacks. I heard that was a big uh, thing. If, it, if I planned this thing by myself, it would have been like chairs, a Bible, and that's it. And then like, well, let's just do this. So uh, we're not going to do small groups right now, uh, but what I would encourage you to do is go off by yourself somewhere uh, and, and read Matthew 11 and just really contemplate uh, when Jesus says, come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest for your souls. Contemplate what that means. I hope this weekend has been a weekend of rest for your soul. Um, thank you, Jess and Jason, for whatever you're doing back there. That was weird. Uh, uh, oh, Okay. <laughs> Um, the lunch is at noon, uh, and the bus will be here at 1, and we'll be taking off at 1. So go find a place, go read Matthew 11, be at lunch, have your stuff backed up, and uh, we'll see you.